Good morning, everyone. I hope uh, God has been speaking to your heart already. Um, I'm so pleased by the songs that God chose, and Jamil obeyed God's word and put it on the lineup. I, I sang those songs with my lungs open, so I hope I still have voice for the next two hours or so. I'm joking. I have, I have the cell phone. I have the timer. I'm about to start. Jode is in my line of sight, so she'll tell me. So if I go over time, it's really because I'm Portuguese, and that's just Portuguese. They don't know what to do with their time. Um, but we are going to continue the studies uh, on this series on the Holy Spirit. And I want to emphasize again the importance of studying, the importance of dwelling on the topic of God, the Holy Spirit. I speak for myself. It's very um, easy to forget about God, the Holy Spirit. When we think about God, the Father, maybe we have this picture of this grand uh, being, right? In heavens with all authority, all power, we think of God. When you think of God the Son, we think of Jesus. The visible, palpable, human talking God that lived on earth 2,000 years ago. And we talk about, and okay, we can relate, it's easy. And God the Holy Spirit might seem a force, something a bit vague that wanders around. We call it God, but what exactly is that? And we kind of forget to, to, to speak about the Holy Spirit as God. Uh, because the Holy Spirit is God. The Bible, the, the, the word spirit in the Bible means breath, means wind. Gabby uh, spoke about this wind, this rushing wind. There's no way how to stop it. So the breath of God. When God breathed life, the Holy Spirit was there giving life. When God speaks, uh, the Holy Spirit is there. When God moves, you know, that idea of wind. God is there. So it reflects the word spirit. It reflects the personal presence of God, the Father, and God, the Son, among his people. That's the Holy Spirit we've been talking about. And Reuben, in the past two weeks, have been exploring uh, the idea of Holy Spirit has a person, God. He, he's been studying mainly on John chapter 14. And he's studying also, so the Holy Spirit has the person, and he's studying about the characteristics, the attributes of this Holy Spirit, also divine attributes that relate the Holy Spirit with being God, being divine, and the personal uh, uh, attributes of, of the Holy Spirit so that we can relate with it as well. And I just want to, um, th this concept um, is, is a challenging concept. This concept of three in one. And what we can call the Trinity. It might be it's a challenging concept to guess, even for Christians to think about it. And even for those who are, are, are here either for the first time or hearing this the first time might be thinking, okay, you're speaking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Do you worship three gods? No. We worship one God that is expressed in three different ways. Three persons of the same nature. So, um, we, I need, I need to click start. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, I want 10 minutes. Okay. So I want to give an, a, a small illustration. I hope everyone can see. But I want it to stay here so that it helps us 
to, to, to be connected with this three in one. When we look at this candle, it's still not a functional candle. So it's not worth for something. And I want to use this illustration to, to, uh, to talk about God, these three in one, these three persons of the same nature. We can look at the candle. We can look at the, the structure of this candle, the wax and the wick. And that represents God the Father. Is a structure. Okay? If the candle, if I light up the candle, the flame, the light represents Jesus, the light of the world. And what can represent the Holy Spirit? Any idea? The warmth. There you go, right? The structure, the wax, the light and the warmth, it's a functional candle. All these things are interconnected. They work together. You cannot have a flame, you cannot have light if you don't have wax to burn in order to give you light. You will not have heat if there's not a flame which emanates that energy, that heat. Right? These things are interconnected. If you, um, if you don't have, let me, let me see here. Yeah. If you don't, you cannot have heat without having a flame and you cannot have a flame that doesn't emanate heat. So you see how these things are uh, working together. If there was no flame, no light in the wax here, it will not be a functional candle. Okay? So I hope this helps us just to grasp a little bit of that concept of Trinity. We look at one God and he expresses in different way. The light is the point of reference in a dark room. And the closer we are to the light, the more we will feel the heat. And this heat is good, is comfortable, is present, is here. In this series, we want to get closer to the light. And as we get closer to the light, we feel the heat and we understand what the Holy Spirit does. As we draw near and near, as we understand the influence that the Holy Spirit has in our lives. We understand how God, through the Holy Spirit, wants to partner with us to advance His kingdom. In Ephesians chapter 1, we find this verse. And now you have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as his own. Some translations put this expression, I love, as if he put his seal on you by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Why wouldn't we, from the moment we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, why wouldn't we instantly be brought up to heaven to be with that God that we now believe? Why would we remain on earth? What's the purpose to stay here? What's the purpose of this what's the purpose of this idea of church as a group of people that want to have relationship, want to live in a community but are so imperfect, you know? And and things happen. Why why staying here? Why not just 
get done with it, having our lives being solved the moment we accept God. I believe, and again, because our purpose here is to partner with God, to be witnesses of God on this earth. God does not need our help. God does not need our help to witness about him. He is all-powerful. He lacks nothing. He could make in many different ways. But God gives us the privilege to partner with him to advance for his kingdom. God wants us to be also lights in the world, visible images of his goodness, of his mercy, of his character. God's, God wants Christian engineers among engineers. God wants Christian teachers among teachers. God wants Christian coaches among coaches. God wants us to be on this earth and be represented among all walks of life. And throughout history, we have seen how God has been partnering with his creation. The Bible we hold in our hands. The Bible didn't just came down from heaven as two golden plates. But this was a partnership between God and his creation. The Holy Spirit inspired humans. And humans did his part. They pick up a pen and they wrote ink on paper. And now we have a Bible. So in order for us to partner, we need to walk with the Holy Spirit. And we need to allow this walk, this partnership with the Holy Spirit to shape our thoughts and shape our attitudes. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. We want to grow in maturity, in sanctification, be near the fire and let it heal us, let it change us so that we can bless others so we can keep advancing the kingdom of God on this earth. So in this partnership purpose, the results of receiving, of being filled, the results of being geared, of being sealed with the Holy Spirit are what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit has the result of the Spirit work in our lives. And that's what I want us to dive in this morning as we um, open up and we're going to display on the screens behind us Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> For you have been called to live in freedom my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity 
lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Amen. I'm reading on NLT translation. Let me give you a brief context of, of what Paul was writing here. He was writing to a new church in a town in a town called Galatia. That's why the, the letter is called a letter to the Galatians. And one of the strategies that Paul and his partners took when they wanted to uh, plant new churches was to first go to the local synagogues, the Jews that existed there, because they had already a concept of this one God they were preaching about. They had already resources and scripture with them. And some of them, Paul was able to make them understand now this the, the, this new revelation of God in Jesus Christ, and they became Christians. And there was, most of the times, the way these new churches were uh, come uh, were coming into existence. So you have uh, Jews becoming Christians, and other Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Jews that live there. That through uh, friendship, uh, through uh, the witnessing, they also became Christians, and the churches were were growing. But there was this initial challenge and. The letter of Galatians, if you read it, you understand what was the main purpose for Paul to write this letter was because these new Christians, especially Jews, they were still looking at their, their old ways of religion. The old ways they would still have a relationship with God was through a very complex, detailed, heavy law heavier than the law that God presents on the Bible. They themselves created tradition of law and other things where they would count the steps they should make on a Saturday because Saturday was the day of rest. So if they did one step more than that specific number, they were not resting anymore. So there was a heavy law and they thought this is a way we relate with God. And under this new revelation, Paul is saying, no, a relationship with God is not about being legalistic. Yes, God framed his creation. There are boundaries. There are ways God don't want you to jump out of those boundaries for your own sake, for the sake of your soul. But in these boundaries, there is freedom to live in the spirit. And there's just things in the Bible that uh, you don't have an answer for everything if you should do or not do. For example, should I drink alcohol or not? There's not a specific teaching in the Bible. So maybe I don't mind drinking alcohol for example, in the Portuguese culture, it's very common. No, I, I can drink alcohol if and I know that I can drink in a responsible way, have self-control, fine. But if my brother and, and or sister doesn't feel comfortable to drink alcohol, it's also fine. Is your conscience clear about that decision? Yes, yeah, so do according to your conscience because the Holy Spirit is working on that conscience. 
And if I am with my brother and si or sister and he or she does not drink alcohol, maybe I should not drink alcohol when I'm there so that there's no shock among us. You see, there's this, there's this freedom, there's this dynamic. And Paul is, to is talking about it. But this is the first warning. And here we I highlight the verses 13 to 16. Um, do not use that freedom to actually satisfy the desires of your sinful nature. In some Bibles, you might find the translation, desires of the flesh. I like this translation, even though I'm going to use the expression flesh. And flesh here, Paul is not talking about, you know, if literally flesh and bone and muscles. But in this context, has opposite to the work of the spirit. Paul is talking about the work of the sinful desires or flesh. And this is the first warning. Do not use your freedom to give away to satisfy the desires of that sinful nature. What, what is this sinful nature? Do we all have that sinful nature? Or was it just about the Galatians? When God created us, according to his image and his likeness, men and women walked with him in a perfect state of mind, of thoughts, of emotions, and of action. The Bible talks about the fall of Adam and Eve has a specific point in history where when they took their freedom and they decided themselves to be the judge of good and evil and not God. I no longer want to meet, I, want, I no longer want to be submit to God. I'm free to choose. And that nature, that perfect nature of them was vandalized by sin and evil. And that story speaks about us. Our own souls, our own way of living is also vandalized by good and evil. So many times we desire things that are not aligned to God's desire. And we read that in Ephesians. For those who believe in Christ, they are sealed with the Holy Spirit and they become children. But we also... We are, we are not brought to heaven. We're still on this earth. So we are here, and Paul says, in this constant fight between these two forces. forces, Flesh and spirit. It's kind of we have one foot on the, our sinful nature that, um, that pulls us. It's compromised by evil and sin. And the other foot is this new creation that the Spirit is working us and is pulling us into dire the direction of life and to God's desire. Do you want to think of an example of how we still need to fight with our human nature, with our flesh? If I were to put my own thoughts, just the thoughts that I had in this last week, and I would put them on the pen drive, and Alana would display them in the screens, I would run away from this auditorium, ashamed of the things that crossed my head and thoughts that I've been dwelling on them even. And I think I can relate to many of you in this way. This is a tiny way we can see, yes, that nature is still there. That fight is still there. When you open a newspaper, when you open a news page, what do you hear about the world around us? Has God, when God is left out of the equation, when God is left out of the schools, what happens? When God is left out of governments, 
what happens. We live in a time where there's, there's so many even growing human rights associations about all the human rights, but there's even human rights, human rights associations that defend rights that are not aligned with God's desires. And Paul here sets a list of these works of the flesh that he sees displayed in the work in the world around him. And I think as we read this list, we still identify all of them. You can put the next slide, please. The next one. Paul says, verse 19, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. In Greek, the word porneia or fornication, the use of sexuality outside of God's framework. Impurity, meaning moral uncleanness. Lustful pleasures, which means uncontrollable sexual desires. Idolatry, going after images of stone and wood and worshipping them as if they were God, sacrificing people uh, to those images. Sorcery, magic, uh, enchantments, uh, uh, witch doctors. Hostility, hatred, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. Oh, how much people just think about themselves. Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness. And by drunkenness, it was not just about to be intoxicated by alcohol. It was to be intoxicated by all the things that took you out of your um, reasonable state of mind. Wild parties like orgies. Just by reading them, I feel kind of depressed. I don't know if you feel the same. But Paul was seeing these things working around him. And in many ways, we can relate as we, into some degree, have fallen into many of them. When the room is completely dark, and here let's, let's make it literal. When the room... When the room, and I need light, when the room is really dark, there is no point of reference. And people in this dark room, they run against each other, they bump against each other, trying to fight their way out, trying to survive. And when there's no moral standards, when God is not the moral standard of people's life, when there's no objective truth, there is anarchy in a complete dark room. There is no point of reference. And it's interesting how when Paul writes the list, the first things that he mentioned, in the first four things, three of them are about the sexual desires, the sexual immorality. And I believe that's the channel that he, uh, the, the devil uses to work in our bigger weaknesses. Sexual immorality. The way that we are not able to respect sexuality, and, and we see in the world around us, sexuality be completely vandalized. Power for people abusing from innocent children even. Sexual immorality has a source of human trafficking Leanne, you could speak more of, a, of us about it. Prostitution being legalized. P 
pornography entering the screens, any screen of our houses, and we being exposed constantly to the works of the evil around us, and we ourselves having to fight against it. Let's turn the lights again. But, verse 22, in contrast, as opposite the works of the sinful nature, Paul now sets a list, sets a list and said, those that are saved, those that were sealed with the Holy Spirit, those that have new life, those that have new goals, those that want to use that freedom wisely and allow the Holy Spirit to shape them, to teach them, to mold their character, their action and actions, those that want to align their desire according to God's desire and according to how God wants things to work, then the results are. And Paul writes a way more beautiful list. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And love here in Greek is the agape love, the divine love, the highest expression of love, like the love that God has for his creation. That's a result of how we should live in this horizontal relationship, as Gabby was saying in the beginning. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And here gentleness has mildness, uh, humbleness, and self-control. I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to dwell in all of the, the topics of this list. So my challenge for you is to either write on your notebooks or, or take a picture and you can use it as a, a reference for you to meditate on it uh, today and, and, and throughout the, this week. But I, I, want to, um, I want to focus on, on, on three uh, aspects about this list. The first aspect is I find it interesting, a little detail that... When Paul talks about it, he doesn't say, he doesn't talk about the fruits in plural of the Spirit, but he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The list of things that we see here, this fruit of the Spirit, is what God is willing to gear us with, and this, this will come as a package. We cannot choose to have one and not have another. It's impossible for you to love and not to live at peace. It's impossible for me to be kind and not having self-control. It's impossible for me to say, I want to be gentle if I'm not faithful to my wife. So this is, the result is one fruit. And we look at this fruit in different angles, different perspectives. But this is what God promises that will be developed in your life, in your character, as the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is one package, this is one fruit, and it's beautiful, it's complete, it's, 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 it's juicy. <laughs> but this fruit, it doesn't happen from a day to the night. 
it is a process. It, it takes time for your, our character to be changed, to be molded. Spiritual change happens and it takes its time. Here in this room, what we call even the conversion, the moment where you decided to embrace Jesus as your Lord and Savior. To some of you, it was a process that took years. It took time for you to um, deconstruct the ideas that you had before and understand God and then you embrace faith. To others, maybe it was um, a very um, strong experience that you had in a specific moment. And in that moment, God worked with you and you gave you your life. To others, there are even others here that are in that process, in that genuine process of understanding God. So this, this itself can take time. And even when you decide to give your life to Christ, it doesn't mean that suddenly... You will be perfect in, and you have the complete fruit and in all these ways you'll be able to navigate and be perfect uh, in all these ways. It also takes time. This is not an excuse to be lazy and not seeking God. But we need to understand that and in this process and in this, in this time that we are here on earth and we have this fight between these two forces, we are called to be faithful. We are called to be obedient to God. Let God shape you. Let God continue to mold you. There may be seasons where I give a step forward and two steps back. There may be times where I'm just walking uh, forward and I'm, I, and I'm close to God and, and the heat is transforming me and daily and, and, and I'm there. But maybe there are other moments where I'm so far away that I don't even see the light and I start bumping into other, into other things. This is a pro. The character change, character change takes time. But let us be faithful in everything. Let us be patient in everything and let God shape us. And the third thing I wanted to say is that this fruit, this, this results, this this, all this character shaping, it's something that comes from outside of us. This is not a message where I tell you, you are strong enough. You can do it. Everything comes from you because this is, this is not a, a self-motivation speak. It's important for us to understand this is an outside force. This is God working in our lives. And we just have to accept what God is willing to give to us. In the last month or so, I preached on Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 gives this illustration of this tree. Blessed are those that um, you know, don't follow the, the ways of the wicked, but they, they are with God. And they are like trees near the riverbank. And they are fed by source uh, the, the good sources of, of water. And has... An, us as trees, we, we can be fed by the spirit as the sources of water or by the sun radiation, all these outside things that God is willing uh, to, 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 um, to shape us with. And the only thing that we can do, or, or better to say, in this partnership, what we can do is either allow us to be fed by what is willing to give, or we can distance ourselves 
from the source. The Bible tells us many times, do not quench, do not extinguish the spirit, do not grieve the spirit, do not blow out the candle, do not walk away from the source of life. That's why we, we speak, that's, that's why the, um, it's important for us to understand the spirit is, is God's presence and God is willing to work in our character, is willing to shape us. Let us just stay closer to the light, closer to the source. Do not neglect the relationship with God. And I come to a conclusion. And the, the, the team can, can come. I conclude by appealing you to a deeper relationship with Jesus. A relationship of knowing him. How? Let the teachings that you hear, let them challenge you. Think about it. Let them challenge you. React somehow to what you hear. Like a big tree needs deep, long roots. Root yourself also in seeking the person of Jesus. Root yourself into, um, into know what the word of God that is available for you, what God wants to speak to you through his word. Let it challenge you. And real spiritual growth is not measured but by how much we know about God, but how much we are like God. Because again, it's not about the two lists I've put here, and it's not about me memorizing this list and know exactly what are, what are the works of the flesh or what are the fruit of the Spirit. It's not about just knowing the list. But it's about taking those things into your heart, meditate on them, press it down until it catches fire. You know what they say, the longest road in the world is the 30 centimeters between your mind and your heart. Because if everything just stays here intellectually, it will not produce much. But if you let it sink in your heart, you will let God shape you according to his own desires. And the last thing I wanted to say to you. Have you noticed how the fruit are not character traits just for your own solitude enjoyment, but they are character traits that will help you to bridge relationships with other people. God wants those characters to be experience in community. And those will be foundations for you to further develop acts of service to other people. And that sets the tone for what we're going to hear next week. So don't miss it. Register online after you leave church. Because you want to have the full complete message. What are the gifts that the Holy Spirit will gear us with so that we can partner with Him for His kingdom? We're going to learn that. So I want to conclude with this prayer. This prayer.
here is basically inspired in the last two verses of the passage in Galatians. So could you stand up? And we're going to a moment where we um, worship using another song. And all of the other songs could have been songs that we would sing right now because they speak so much about what you've just heard. Either things that you feel that you lean towards them. There's areas in your life you fall so much into. May this be a time where you ask God to realign your heart. If there are other things about the spirit that you really want to develop more in your life, may this be a time where you pray, God, do something about it. Please, I'm here, I'm available. Use me. If you still don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you are in this process of getting to know, and, and today you heard something that made sense, today uh, today something clicked, and, 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 and something is stirring in your heart and in your mind, may this be a time where you also embrace, embrace, embrace the source of life. to the cross and crucify them there since I am